everybody. Welcome back to the Redline Roots podcast. We're super excited to be talking this round with all the members of Twisted Pine celebrating the release of their new album, Right Now, which drops on August 14th. You know, when you're a band that gets compared to the Punch Brothers and Nickel Creek and Cricket Still, uh, you know you're in some pretty good company. But I would say that Twisted Pine, as much as any of those groups, is really pushing the envelope in terms of the sounds that they bring to this new record, uh, the sources that they're drawing from, and the thoughtful way that they push the envelope while also giving you some pretty strong grooves just to settle back and listen to. It was great to talk with Anne, Chris, Kathleen, and Dan. I really hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, make sure that you share it uh, on social media or just with a friend. Enjoy. Um, so one of the things you guys, like in the materials, and I think even like in your own writing about your music is this idea of sort of like taking genres and just like blowing up that idea, right? That there are these strict genres that should follow these rules and everything like that. And so I guess like just to, like, this is kind of a funny place to start, but I guess there's, there's a question for me of like, to what extent is that idea of we're intentionally bringing things together, kind of a guiding principle in and of itself in the same way that like, a country singer would say like, okay, these are kind of the structures that I'm, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I guess I'll take a step, quick first stab at that. Uh, well, I mean, we, it, it's definitely kind of become uh, a big part of what this band is about and, and definitely uh, something that like at this point is definitely something that we try to cultivate and try to like, you know, think about, but it, 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 I think it had to evolve organically and naturally because, um, you know, we, when we started, we were just kind of more playing straight bluegrass and kind of that, that was like kind of the world that we were in and kind of just the, the background of what we were doing. But as, as it kind of, as we started to play a lot more together and especially when we started to write our own songs, that's kind of when all of these other influences started to just come out very naturally and very organically. And kind of, it's definitely something that like we've, we at a w one point we decided, you know, we're just gonna embrace um, all of these other influences that, that we, you know, grew up listening to and things that like we currently listen to and, and kind of where our interests are because we have tons of, you know, interest in music that's like outside of that and, and at this point, it's like it's um you know it's kind of what we're playing. Other than like the instruments is totally unrelated to bluegrass or anything like that. Even though that's kind of where we started, and um, yeah, and we just we 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 just lean into it, you know, and we really embrace it, and and especially uh, kind of the way that we we write and we arrange for the band. Um, that's kind of where a lot of that stuff kind of manifests. The way that we play together as an ensemble, it's like kind of well, you know if we're gonna like go for, you know, this kind of groove, like kind of more of a funk groove or like a disco beat or something like that, like how do we 
make that happen, you know, um, with these instruments. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun. And it's like, it's kind of uh, a big part of like the fun of being in this band, I think. Any other guys want to build on what Dan said or, or chime in on that question? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. I, and I also think that we're kind of like um, an, ex an extreme example of what I think is generally happening. I mean, I could, obviously, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I do kind of feel like our generation of musicians grew up on like so much stuff, like so many different influences that everybody is kind of like, well, why do we have to like fit into one specific like musical place why not just do what we want to do you know I, I think it's I think it's a result of our generation just having access to so many uh different like musical worlds that and our band is just extreme in that we're like okay yeah like but why not why not do it in this group or like why not take this uh like vintage pop song form and like add a jam to it or you know i think it's uh it's not necessarily like something we think about but it's it's definitely just a result of like being open to all of our influences and not caring what like this what the sound is called that's helpful i, I mean so like on i was thinking about you the other day because uh i heard this uh, Lizzo interview on Fresh Air and uh, one of the things that Terry Gross said to Lizzo she said you don't hear a lot of flute in hip-hop and Lizzo sort of took a breath and goes you do <laughs> which I thought was yeah. wonderful but like so how do you think about sort of you know uh, you know challenging some of the assumptions that some folks might have about where flute fits in uh in this genre hopping or <laughs> in this you know band that came out of you know a tradition but is pushing into new ways new areas well for me i it's funny how the whenever i make a new friend or or you know meet somebody new and then i tell them they that i play the flute they kind of are always like oh the flute and and then and then they'll like start you know a lot of people I know like listen to a lot of music and then they'll just send me tracks and they'll say oh I you know what there's so much flute in in this music that I, I didn't even realize that I listen to flute every day um which is it's interesting because you know when I obviously when I listen to music I, if there's flute in it I hear it all the time and yeah I mean specifically let's say with bluegrass, there really isn't flute there. But there's a lot of flute in folk folk music and, and especially like, you know, in North America, there's this, there is a folk tradition, but it, it comes from, you know, these other places where flute would have been very much in the tradition and flute, flute exists in a lot of different countries' traditions um it, in in many continents so um it it is funny sometimes to, to for people to say oh well you don't hear flute that much and even for me you know i used to think 
that flute didn't exist in a lot of places, just because I come from a classical upbringing. But, you know, the more music you listen to, the more you realize flute is kind of everywhere. Um, I can't remember if I'm diverting from your question now, though. Is that, is that? No, that's right. You're... Yeah, okay, yeah. But, um, but yeah, and, and for me also, uh, like as a flute player, I grew up listening to a lot of different types of music as well. And, um, you know, people ask me what my biggest influences are. And I, I, that question actually stresses me out because I can't choose where I have a direct influence because in a way, everything is always kind of influencing me. And I feel like that's part of my sound is, is, um, is that, and, and even, joining because i'm i am the newest member of twisted pine like everybody in this band is influencing me all the time and i think that's also important to note is that yeah they are also an influence to me and just everything and, and even life experiences you know experiences will will influence the way you play and, um, interesting that you talk about sort of your your training and it like I imagine I mean you all are like creating something quite original with your band right now and I'm just wondering if there were kind of you know touchstones for you along the way or signposts on you know and it might have been just like when you picked up your instrument for the first time that you could sort of say like, oh, that, that's a like before and after moment for me. Mm. I, I guess um, I could take a stab at that. <laughs> I guess like a really early on moment for me was when I was studying classical and Irish fiddle. I was studying Irish fiddle and I loved it, but like, I, w I knew I wanted to have, I, I knew I was going to have some sort of life, hopefully, in the arts. Like, I, I was just naturally drawn to it and always interested in it. And it wasn't until I heard this kind of, like, crossover fiddle player that took Celtic music and mixed it with, like, world music and put, like, Afro beats to Celtic tunes that I was like, okay. For me, I was like, that's the kind of thing I want to do. Like, that's music. That's not just like staying in one tradition because that never really interested me. And actually, I hate admitting this, but I was like, 
like an 11 year old, I was seriously questioning if I still wanted to even play the violin. Like I was like, I don't know. And then I was introduced to this woman like Eileen Ivers and she completely changed my world where I just listened to her every single day. I'm like play along to her CDs and like memorize all of her licks. And it was like, I had never had that much interest in violin like up to that point um so I mean that's like a small one from when I was a kid but I feel like that totally for me sh just shaped my musical path and sent me towards uh, a career in music because I was like there's no way I'm like trading this in for anything else <laughs> that's great that anyone else want to chime in on that question like yeah I'll, I'll chime in like I think like Kathleen I think that like my you know my I was initially drawn to like the, the kind of bluegrass stuff that I was drawn to was definitely the very kind of like innovative and genre bending stuff at the time you know like those players were the guys that I was interested in. and actually that's like the history of bluegrass music you know Bill Monroe was like an innovator and a genre bender and it wasn't until later that it became standardized and considered traditional, right? But, um, you know, when I was, like, I got obsessed with the mandolin. I, I like, saw Sam Bush on TV playing with, with Bela Fleck, and it was, like, I thought that's what bluegrass was. But, like, looking back on it, it was, like, it's very, like, kind of, uh, you know, like, really modern, um, instrumental, like, very, like, jazz influence and all that kind of stuff. And I, I just, I thought that was the coolest thing. And, you know, David Grisman was another guy that like, you know, extremely, like, extremely innovative, you know, his whole concept was just combining all of these things that he thought was, was cool and, and like into like a very personal sound. And so like, that's, that's kind of always been the thing that I've been, you know, drawn towards. Um, so, yeah. That's great. Um, Chris or on any, anything you want to add or, or should we Keep on going. Uh, I, oh yeah, just go ahead. I, I was just gonna say I had similar experiences. I think um, that's like definitely a thing that we all have in common. Um, but yeah, for me, I was I remember being like little and listening to. Uh, I guess this was like middle school after Oh Brother came out. That was like kind of my first ex real exposure to like the bluegrass world, and I remember being super into like Ralph Stanley and like. And like those got the like the trad guys and being like because I was I was also interested in like Modesty Martin and Wood and like like that kind of fusion groove stuff and I remember being like oh I want to like start a band that's like both of these but I don't know how to do it and then I heard like Bela Fleck and the Flecktones and like discovered those guys and was like oh wait this is already a thing that's happening and so that was kind of like. I found that little world, which was a nice moment for me. Um, did you want to add something too? Yeah, I was going to say um, that I, I find it interest, interesting going specifically with the bluegrass route because there there isn't really any flute there. Is that I, I was. I was um, trying to like figure out how to play in that style. And, and I think 
I think this is like an interesting thing to to maybe um, note is that I, I was basically just trying to emulate these instruments without playing that specific instrument. Um, so for example, like a chop on the mandolin or something or a fiddle and like just emulating that on the flute because I couldn't play, I can't play the fiddle or, you know, so I think that was also like, just to add, because I, yes, I, I also have like similar, similar experiences um, there. And then just one step further where I don't see my instrument represented in, in say bluegrass, then I would have to like kind of carve that out for myself. So I'm just gonna add, just add that. It's really helpful. I, I mean, so I'd love to talk about the, the, the record specifically. And I, I'm sort of like big picture, I'd love to think about process for bringing songs together. Um, so, and the song that like made me really think about that as a question was uh, Dream Away. Um, in part because it's, you know, so spare um, when, you know, you're a group that could fill a lot of space and people would go, whoa, that's great. But, you know, choosing not to is, seems, you know, particularly important and intentional. Um, you know, and then there's just so many interesting decisions in it, the shift, you know, like three quarters of the way through where you're, you get a lot more bass and the chops and like there's sort of some scatting vocals over the flute you know like um you know like how do you how do you go about building a song like that um so it's kind of funny well that song i guess i'll just tell you like give you some of the backstory of how it was written was actually we had come from Green River Festival and then we played a gig immediately after that and we were like exhausted like so tired but we had such a fun gig and it was it was at this this place called the Dreamaway Lodge <laughs> so actually the name of the song was Dreamaway Lodge for a long time and then I figured out the lyrics because it was like like something I really wanted to speak about was like kind of like social anxiety um because it's just like a very real thing for me personally sorry I know we like said we weren't gonna go on the specifics but here we are um <laughs> but anyway um, this is actually a, a therapy session it's about to yeah <laughs> Well, it's just interesting because when you're a performer, people expect you to be so social all the time, which is like, it's for me a very hard thing to do because it's, it takes like a lot of energy um, to be able to just do that day to day. And I mean, I love it. It's like part of the reason why we do what we do, but sometimes you just need a little break. Um, to catch up with yourself but anyway um so that song yeah we I we actually stayed at the dream away lodge and um I was writing it uh just like the way it 
that's played on the fiddle just kind of pitched and I was like, ooh, it's kind of like a lullaby for the Dream Away Lodge. And actually, it's really funny. I think Chris has a little bit. But um, I think that time change kind of like came with the song uh, in itself and just kind of shows like the state of mind someone can be one day to the next being like, oh man, like, I like really don't know how to deal with like this type of anxiety or like this type form of depression. And then the next day you can be like, oh yeah, I'm on top of the world. Like, here I go, rocking my best blazer. Um, <laughs> and anyway, so I guess that's like the base of the song for the lyrics. But then we kind of just, it took us like a little while to really get the arrangement down and like, how we wanted everything to flow together and then when we had Anne join you know like fitting her in there and so we just kind of the tune just kind of lends itself to be more of a lullaby in a way so I think we just went with that and I mean I, I think our goal as musicians and as a band is I mean to just bring out what the song needs and not what we personally need to bring out in every song. Does that make sense? Like, like we're more about telling the story of the song rather, rather than like, oh, we got to make the song cool. Oh, this, this song is like too different from like our other songs. Like, how can we make it like a lot like our other stuff? I don't really think that's how we operate. We just operate as how how can we play this song the best that it can be played and get this message across and the feeling across that's really what it is i think I saw you nodding quite vigorously when Kathleen was saying, like, it's not about sort of making something cool that's about serving the song. How do you think about that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, th I think that that's, she totally hit the nail on the head. Like, I think that, you know, when we were, a lot of times, like, when, when all, all the songs for this album were coming together, there were definitely times when we would look at, like, the group of songs and be like, wow, this is going to be, how is this record going to make any sense? Like, you know, like, it's just so different, like, kind of the, the different approaches and stuff, especially early on, like, kind of when we had, you know, some of these songs, and we're like, how is this going to fit together? But I think that, like, we really try, trying to really stay true to the initial intent of, like, why this piece of music, you know, was kind of, like, came, like, what initially inspired it, and really trying to, like, run with that, and, and yeah, and, like, serving that, um, you know, that was something that we always, always did, you know, and then like, you know, you want to keep a big picture thing too, you know, um, but, uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's like, it, it's just cool. It's just the, the you, you know, you kind of keep pushing everything as far as it can go. And then at the end of the day, like, the, the way that they come together, it just kind of like, 
it kind of arises, you know, like, like sometimes people ask us, like, how do you, like, how did you think of like the idea for like the sound of your band? Like, how did you come up with that? The sound of your band? And it's like, we didn't come up with, like, no one had an idea for like, this is what we're going to sound like. You know, it, it, it arose out of like playing together and like working on, on, on this song and like kind of having this kind of groove thing and like that informed the next song and playing these gigs informed, you know, and like playing shows with these people and like going to these jams, you know, all of that stuff just kind of like, um, kind of just informs and just like being open and letting it evolve. It's like, a, you know, I think that's like the thing that we try to do. Really helpful. I mean, so thinking about the record, you know, like how do these things fit together? I'm always interested like in like how, like songs in conversation with each other. And some of these things I think are intentional and some of them I think just are the way that music sort of comes about. But I was kind of interested in this thread that I've been pulling with right now and don't come over and the cover uh, Father John Masuda, uh, without me, um, uh, go without me. Um, and it feels like this, this, just this echo of sort of like in the lyrics of those songs of like drawing boundaries and in some ways, like in playful ways and then some ways, but like, but like really seriously. Um, and I'm wondering if you can talk about like some of the echoes that you hear on the album uh, is the songs like speak to each other, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's an interesting point that you brought up, which honestly hadn't, uh, I hadn't realized that, but now that you say it, it's like, oh yeah, that is, that is a thread that exists there. Um, I think like musically, um, that's another thing like Dan was saying that just kind of happens and then we're like oh it's cool I think there's a lot of like uh, you know within the session you're you have like a, a sort of mindset and a musical MO and and as a result of that you see a lot of different threads with different tracks um, but one example of what you were saying is like um, we took one of the jams that we had on one of the takes um, uh, and and made that we we kind of like treated it really like we like Dan Cardinal our producer put this like reverse delay on it and we made it into like a weird thing but um, the ending of Tomorrow the Sun Will Rise one of those takes uh, became the track called Talkeetna um, so yeah I feel like it's just kind of like a vibe that happens uh, in the studio that we sort of are at least somewhat aware of that um, becomes like a sort of thread that ties the album together. So, I mean, so that's interesting to me just to, in thinking about like, I mean, I've talked to some folks who like they get in the studio and they're like, hey, we are on the clock. We're paying for every minute here. We're not messing around at all. Um, it sounds like you all have a, a different approach, maybe somewhere in the middle there, but a different approach where like that creative time can lead to sort of unexpected um, opportunity. Um, but do you have to have a certain mindset to be in that, like to be able to treat that 
that time as kind of loose. Maybe loose isn't the right word, but I'll shut up. No, no, definitely, definitely. And I mean, you know, we've we've been in the you know we've recorded two other albums too, where we where we weren't as kind of um, experimental in the studio, you know, and like kind of want, that was one of the goals we had going into this, you know, was that like you know what we we really want to make sure that we capture some of that loose improvisational very creative energy that happens um you know and so like kind of coming into this you know some of the songs we had been we we had like were really tight we're really figured out you know they were like really like we knew what we were going to do down to you know like the tempo and like the arrangements and all of that stuff was all figured out but a lot of some of them we were like we let them kind of evolve in the studio i mean the, the talkina thing is definitely of an example of that also like the the track fogo de chao um it's just like kind of an instrumental tune fiddle tune you know that we and we you know like it, it was something that kathleen had like played before like just we had just like messed around with it in in like the green room it was just like this little warm-up kind of jam thing that we had but we'd never played it really like live or anything or we'd never like you know we weren't even really thinking that we would add it to the album but we but you know we were in the, we were in there and you know this this is one thing that like you know sometimes you do look at the bigger picture of the album and and like you know a lot of stuff arises but like another thing that like that like we try to do is like you know every now and then you kind of take a look at what you have and you're like and you know what you know what would be cool if we had another like kind of tune like this, you know, and then you, and then you make it happen, you know? So it's like, you know, you, you're, 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 um, you let things kind of just happen, but then you also like evaluate what you have and you try to like, you know, Oh, you know, like, you know, like let's add something like this, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, that was definitely like, uh, a, a part of, a part of that, you know, like, and, and, and we, and we went into it with that in mind that we wanted to do that, you know? And you have, part of it is you have to set that goal for yourself that like, you know what, we're going to, we're going to force ourselves to just kind of like, just roll tape and just see what happens. Because you're right. Like, if you don't say that you're going to do that, then, you know, the, the kind of the, the fact that the top clock is ticking and that, you know, it, you know, it costs money, you know, that, that can take over, but we wanted to balance that and just capture that other side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. also like... Oh, go ahead, Katie. You got it. Oh, I, oh, I was just going to say, um, and like having Dan Cardinal also know that that was something that we wanted to capture for the album. He would, he was actually a really good person to have um, for like when we were super focused on like certain tracks, like when we were more in like a break and maybe just like having a good time, like laughing and like telling stories, he'd be like, He's like, you know what, we're taking like a bit of a break from this song. Like maybe now's a good time to just set up some room mics and you guys just go down there and like do this song or we'll do some like funny like uh, gang vocals or something like, uh, yeah, like he, he, it was good to like have him, but like, so to a certain extent of like what Dan said, it was definitely like you had to have it planned in there. Otherwise you could just like lose yourself just either overdubbing or just trying to get every single take like absolutely perfect and then all of a sudden you're like oh we're we're out of time like we don't have time for any of that other like fun stuff that we wanted to do um no that doesn't mean that 
the rest of it wasn't fun. It was most definitely fun. <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, I just wanted to add something as like kind of like the new guy in the band. But um, yeah, I I find I, I'm really interested in like like kind of like the interpersonal relationships between um, people, like when we're playing music together and and my favorite way to or like my favorite combination in terms of like playing music with people is is playing duo because I feel like I get to know the person really well and how this this kind of relates to this this whole thing is is that um when I joined Twisted Pine I found that there was like this kind of there was a click like we all there was something that really worked in terms of how we connect to each other personally and musically. And I feel like this this has everything to do with having this thread that kind of goes throughout the album. And it, I think, yeah, you can pick out like musical parts or whatever you want. But at the end of the day, I think there is still this um, vibe that, that happens between the four of us. And I think that is really what shines through and just to um go back to you know your talk about the time in the studio it's like i think with the four of us it is actually particularly easier to um manage these improvisational moments because we already have this um connection with each other so time yeah time is always a factor but I think it just happens quicker because we already have this connection with each other and we, we play a certain way together. And so it, it, it's, it comes easy. And I think that also is the sound that comes across. I just wanted to add. That's awesome. Kathleen, here's here's what you wrote uh, about the album. That on this record, uh, with every song on this record comes a tale to be told, a memory from the road, uncontained laughter, new nicknames, a lot of good food eaten and sought after, crowded rooms and nearly empty ones, a bunch of funny dance moves and impressions, long drives, venue load and sound checks, festival passes, drink tickets, percentages of food, 
Tequila shots, great shows, weird shows, epic solos, good banter, shy banter, foot and mouth banter, plugged in sets, not planned. Loving fans, new fans, like so you like this really beautiful picture of the complicated life of making a life in music, right? But like we're living in this really weird time where you like like there's not foot and mouth banter or shy banter or good banter. There aren't those sometimes wonderful moments with fans after shows, sometimes awkward moments with fans after shows, you know. And it just felt like reading that, like it was like, oh, this is like so integral to the creative spark of this band is this humor and uh, enjoyment of being together and being in re like really weird situations <laughs> together. Um, so I guess that's the question is, how are you all finding creative spark right now? Mm. Yeah, the creative spark. Well, I mean, I mean, right now, I feel like the most important thing is just being able to like, talk to my bandmates <laughs> and like see that they like like just to, like I don't know I feel because of COVID I knew that we like already like cared about each other but I feel like this has like brought the appreciation for each other like out so much more because like I honestly like really miss them and I really miss just being able to like be in the same room as them and like laugh and just be ridiculous and like play stupid licks and like I don't know and just have fun and like be creative but I think right now like what I really am appreciating and I guess we're like like the creative spark will come because I think it's kind of it's kind of difficult to be creative right now because times are pretty dark and I feel like we're all just trying to find like the silver lining of every situation and like just to keep encouraging each other and I think because um we're able to still stay in contact and we're able to make these kind of distant videos like for our love stream that we did like we were still able to be funny and like have that silliness brought to the music even though we're far away and it was like a really nice reminder that that's going to still be there when this is over and then I also just try to picture myself living in like 1970 and being like there was no FaceTime <laughs> so I'm I'm honestly I'm just thankful that we have that at this point but I mean I'm looking forward to being able to see fans again and make new ones and like there are some like really dedicated fans that have even reached out to us during this and like say like we miss going to Twisted Pine shows and it's just so it's really touching that people you know they're thankfully hopefully they'll still be there when we come back and we know that we want to be there for them um so i hope that answers your question <laughs> um yeah no definitely i dan and chris and, and anything you want to add about sort of 
I mean, I know that some people are finding like unexpected, you know, creative moments, you know, in some ways of like how to connect with each other, how and bands are, and other folks are like, it's that, it, yeah, I'll shut up there. But anything y'all are finding about that? I mean, yeah, like, I, I guess I would say that like, Kathleen mentioned the love stream, you know, live stream thing that we did with uh, uh, the parlor room home sessions. And that was like a really good example of, you know, we had been, I think it was, you know, towards the end of March, beginning of April, where we had been, you know, uh, all, you know, quarantining, isolating for like a couple weeks and like kind of we were trying to, you know, we were trying to figure out what to do kind of all of these cancellations were like happening and um you know and um we had been approached by uh the parlor room to to do one of those live stream sessions like pretty early on but we were like oh we don't we don't really know how we're gonna make it happen like you know we want all four of us to be there but you know Anne's in Canada and like it's really hard to like get us all together and like the technology at the time you know like how do we do a live stream like that and um we kind of came up with this idea of like what if we just you know made a bunch of content and then kind of you know had that be the the, the live stream and then like you know have a live component as well and 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 they were super cool the parlor room was really cool they like kind of you know uh put a lot of work into like trying to like figure out how technologically it would work and then and we kind of started going about like the process of like kind of conceiving of and like making making all of that content and you know, talking about, um, you know, necessity being the mother invention, that was like, it was really cool because we never worked together in that way where, you know, somebody, Chris would lay down a track, um, you know, like a baseline and like some percussion or something. And he would just send it to everybody and everybody would just lay their tracks on top of that. It was a really cool way to collaborate. We'd never done it before. And it was really, it was, it was really surprising to, to be like, you know, you'd send out something and then be like, whoa, Kathleen laid down like all this awesome, you know, vocal stuff or, you know, like, and has all these like awesome, crazy, like flute things, you know, like double harmonized flute on like everything, you know, and um, it was just really fun, you know, and that was definitely a thing that we, you know, you know, I, I look forward to doing that again. Um, but, you know, we, we definitely are, uh, we're definitely missing playing, you know, together in a room and definitely being out there, you know, this, this summer we had a lot of, you know, really thing, things planned that we were excited about, um, you know, that we're, it's, it's too bad that we're, we can't be out there right now. But, um, you know, I think that we're, we are pretty lucky in that, you know, we finished making this album like right before kind of everything went down and, and I'm really glad that that happened. And, you know, I think it's, everybody has time to kind of, you know, work on things kind of individually and, um, you know, kind of, uh, kind of whatever you want to work on. I mean, Kathleen's been, you know, recording, you know, I've been playing a lot of like, man, but I also been playing a lot of like piano. I got a little electric piano back there. I've been playing that a lot. And, you know, everyone's kind of doing all these different things. And then when we do come back together, it's kind of like, you know, we'll definitely be it'll be definitely fresh, you know, and we'll be really inspired to like, kind of like, you know. Right. <laughs> Anne or Chris, anything you want to add to that, that piece of 
finding creative sparks or, or uh, other ways just to navigate this really strange and frustrating time? I will say that it's, it's been very in and out, like on and off. Like when this first started, I was so excited because I hadn't had a break in a really long time. I was just flying here, flying there, you know, like I, I had just to find, but I had all these other things I hadn't really like chilled out. And I was like, okay, you know what? This is like great opportunity. I'm going to like, you know, I have time to practice the flute and all all these things and I, yeah I did my two weeks in isolation in my room my bedroom and those two weeks were so amazing and I was like wow like I don't know what I, everyone's talking about like we have all this time to work on this stuff and and what you know what's the problem and then and then it hit me and I was like oh wait this sucks like <laughs> you know um and um yeah because we you know we're we're all like I mean, I'm, I think I can speak for everybody here where, you know, we're, we're missing this like connection with people. And, and like I was saying before, like, you know, my inspiration comes from not only music, but just like having life experiences and, and doing things. And yeah, you, you can still do that, I guess, in isolation, but I'm missing this like huge aspect of like socialization and, so yeah, I'm not gonna lie here. Like it's <laughs> it sucks. Um, that being said, like you know, there, I I do agree with what KP and, and Dan are saying. You know, I I feel like in this age of technology, I do feel like um, say, say that you know our live stream that really um, gave me reason to you know get out. Of this like depressive shell that I felt like I was in and be like okay well we, we're doing this thing together and, and, and there was like this moment of, of you know creating this sense that we you know we I, I felt really motivated in, in that moment to, to create and, and make all these things um, and and not not to say that you know because you know I, it's very in and out and I, there's so many things happening right now in, in the world that that is like very much occupying my mind but um yeah i'm just gonna be real like it, it's really hard like i find it i find it very, very hard in, the, in in these times um and i'll come in and out of that i guess but yeah it's hard <laughs> That's totally fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess um, uh, I agree. I definitely agree with basically what everybody said. Um, I guess if we're talking about silver linings, I, I have noticed that like, um, like one thing that has been helping me is just like noticing the relationship that I have to music and just like appreciating that it's there in general. And uh, I think like as touring musicians, we kind of like are really fortunate to have this like creative outlet basically every night. And like when we're not playing, we're jamming or like writing or whatever it is. So for me, it's just been like a nice exercise to um, like since none of that exists anymore to just like take note of the ways that like creativity and music does still affect me and like 
how my relationship has changed with it. I, like, for example, I've noticed like um, one thing that's different is that I like have been listening to a lot more music and like really feeling it more than I normally would if I'm just like out on the road playing every night and a lot of times you just get zonked on it. Um, so just having that relationship be like, like it used to be like when you're a kid dreaming about playing like on the road. I don't know. I think that's like something that has helped me a little bit. That's really, that's really helpful. I, I, just to be, I didn't really, I, I didn't intend the question of like, what are the silver linings? I think it came out that way, but I, I do want to, I do want to honor that it's not, not easy. And, and as you were saying, especially not just with COVID, but with the world really focused on racial justice in a way that it, like many people in the world haven't been for uh, a long time um, and figuring out where we all fit in that movement is um, tricky in a different way. So I just, you know, I just want to honor that. I didn't, sorry if the question came off as like, you know, like, what are the perks of this? Uh, so apologies for that. Um, okay, not, at all. not at all, not at all. I think that's okay. just, that's just what's on our mind. Maybe it just came out of us because no. it's just a thing that we're all thinking about too. You know? Yeah. Um, okay, so this is the last question. Um, it's a, I'm asking the question seriously, but I don't want you to take it too seriously. Okay. Um, and this is what it is. Um, so a couple of years ago, uh, Langhorn Slim, uh, he would tweet like every couple of days, every couple of weeks with something like this. Um, uh, uh, Aretha Franklin, respect, best song ever. And that was the whole tweet. And there was no explanation of why it's the best song ever. And there wasn't any justification. It was just this, you know, you just need to know this. And then like two days later, it, you know, uh, Leonard Cohen, Tonight Will Be Fine, best song ever, right? And I really loved it. Like I, I loved this thing that he was doing because um, for a few reasons. Number one, it kind of like blows up the like best song ever lists as stupid, right? Um, but number two, it's just like this, like unabashed joy for a song, you know, and it's like, ah, oh, you gotta know this is the best song ever. That's to me all it is. And the idea that like, whatever, you know, we feel today as like that unabashed joy for one song, we would feel that same amount in a different way for another song tomorrow or later on this afternoon or whatever. Um, so with all that preamble, that's the question for each of you right now, uh, this afternoon, without explaining, without justifying, apologizing, or qualifying, what's the best song ever? And we'll go in the order of my visual screen, which is Dan, Chris, Kathleen, and All right, I'll, I'll, I, I won't even go with the song, I'll go with album. Best album, 
that I've heard in a while. Uh, Dr. John Afterglow. I've been listening to that a bunch. It sounds, I, I'm not supposed to explain, right? So there you go. Just go listen to it. It's, it's dope. <laughs> All right. Mine is super fresh in my head because I was just listening like on repeat last night, but it's Prince's version of Radiohead's Creep. Uh, it's amazing. I think you can only find it on YouTube. Go YouTube it immediately. It's the best. Okay, well, I'm not gonna do any explaining except for like this tiny little bit just to set it up. Um, so I discovered this artist named Emmett Rhodes on like a Spotify playlist that's like all new retro pop music, but he's from the 60s, put out three albums, was gone for 30 years. And he's like one of the best songwriters and producer, engineers, like self-made people I've ever heard and I can't believe he isn't more famous. So whoever is listening to this, please go listen to Emmett Rhodes right now. <laughs> okay, mine is like, actually very new song, but it's the best. <laughs> and it's Tanya Iyer's song called Please Don't Hold, okay, I have to look up the name because it's actually really long. Please Don't Hold Me Hostage for Who I Am, for Who I Was. Oh. The best song ever. Best song ever. Um, thanks, y'all. This has been super fun. Sorry for the technical difficulties there and thanks for navigating that so beautifully and thanks for this great record it's been it's been a real joy to be listening to it uh as as we got ready for this but uh it's going to be in heavy rotation for me uh, and uh um, yeah hope you all um have a great day and rest of your week thanks ken yeah great to talk with you man Thank you, Ken. This is awesome. And I would like to hear my thoughts without you telling me just what I am thinking. Don't come up to that chat as much as I had having it. Uh, it's great to get their perspective on this new record. Please go spin it for every stream or hey, you can actually buy it. That would be cool. Um, and uh, don't forget to share the episode with a friend. We'll see you next time. So much when you're